0: morning. Well, you guys know how to party. (laughs) I'm awake. I was not awake before I came. I am now awake. You really know how to worship. This is a great privilege for me to be here. We uh, just um, this weekend, as he shared, just had a great conference and, and really wonderful to see what God's doing really around the country with Pioneer Churches. So this has been my first time actually to kind of get an idea a bit of who you guys are and, and to be at the church. I'm just going to say I pastor a church, actually, in California. I look like California, actually. Um, but um, I pastor a church in California. And so I love the local church. I have a great passion for the local church. And I I consider it a, a big privilege anytime um, I speak at any event that I get the chance to visit the local church because I just love what you do, and I so honor you, and honor your leadership, honor this church right in the downtown of Manchester, I mean, it's pretty amazing, amazing what God's doing, is it not? So I I am glad to be here, excited to be here, Um, your weather's consistent, I will say that, (laughs) very consistent, but, and I'm very, very, very impressed that you have your own football team, Like I really am. Like that's footballs. I love football. I played semi-pro football, so I really loved loved it before I got injured. But um, I realized actually, headbutting people in football was great, but that didn't transfer over to leading a church. So I actually had to change a little bit in my mindset. Hey, I saw it um, during worship. I just I felt actually the Lord wanted me to share just something a little bit different than actually what I'm going to talk about. Um, but the Lord just reminded me of this story of this uh, this man who was hanging off of a cliff, and it was about 500 feet below and about 500 feet above. And he yells up, "Is there anybody out there uh, who can help me?" And you know, down yells the Lord and says, I'm here. If you just let go, I will catch you. And the guy looks down and the guy looks up and says, is there anybody else? (laughs) And the Lord reminded me of that this morning in worship. And I felt like to encourage some of you this morning that the Lord just wants you to let go of where you're at so that he can catch you and that he is so faithful. Uh, he is so faithful to make sure that you're you 're okay and um, and I just felt like to encourage some of you in that this morning um, that the lord you might be hanging off of a ledge right now. it might feel like that, but the Lord is so faithful in his response, and he is so trustworthy if there 's anybody that 's trustworthy it 's Jesus Jesus is so trustworthy so um, I'm going to share with you this morning uh, about witnessing, actually. So I, it's, it's interesting what um, what we have talked about a bit, this, even this weekend, what we talked about this morning. I love hearing about the church plant. I love hearing about church plants anytime, anywhere, because I do believe that that is the most powerful tool of evangelism. And when people get a vision to enter into a city, when I see a church plant being formed, it's like putting a stake in the ground and saying, now this area belongs to Jesus. And so any anytime I see that, I mean, I, got, I wish I got called to that place. I mean, it wouldn't be, you know what I mean? I would love to get called there. But anywhere you go, it's all the same. There's always opposition to it. And so anybody that says yes to that call, I mean, that is an amazing privilege, but we need to really be praying for them because they're really breaking through uh, probably centuries of tradition, right, that, that there hasn't been what they're doing. And so you, are, you really are a part of something really wonderful, really, really wonderful. So I really honor that you're, you're doing that. So I'm going to talk about witnessing this morning. Is that all right? Um, I, I believe the power of the church uh, in um, how we live our life, that our life is a witness. We're always witnessing, Uh, whether we realize it or not, um, we're always witnessing to the people around us. And I want to share out of the book of Luke uh, this morning, because at the end of Luke, um, at the end of all the Gospels, we find, you know, Jesus's uh, words to us. But at the end of Luke, we really find where Luke's focus is more about witnessing. And it was the witness of Jesus actually to the people, Um, and, and then through the people. So I want you to ask yourself a question you know, no matter where you come from, no matter, uh, you know, your background, no matter, you know, who brought you here today, we love that you're here, but you want to ask yourself the question, how do I make a difference in the lives of the people that are around me? Because your life is actually called to make a difference. It's not called to just exist, it's not called to just survive, your life is literally called to make a difference in the lives of people that God has placed you around. It's very uh, significant, the invitation of what God has invited us into, it's almost like you're a marked person. When, When you encounter Christ, God marks you, and in that, everywhere you go, you take God with you. And so in that, whether, we, whether you realize it or not, God is using you. And he's either using you to advance his kingdom or actually hurt his kingdom. So you need to know how, how is my life affecting the lives of the people that are around me? Very important to know. There's lots of things that we can spend our time on. There's lots of distractions. It doesn't really matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you come from. There's lots of distractions. There's lots of things that we can spend our time on. But if you were to ask, what do Christians do? or what should Christians do, the response is always Christians witness. That is the call of the Christians. Cowboys care for their cattle, accountants care for their money, doctors care for people, bus drivers drive buses, and Christians witness. That's what we do. It's who we are and it's what we do. Isaiah 43 verse 10 says, "'You are my witnesses,' declares, declares the Lord, "'and my servant whom I have chosen.'" So when God chooses you, that means that he's chosen you and no man can actually take that away from you. God has chosen you, but he's chosen you for a purpose. He's called you into a purpose. And so God himself has delayed his return. You know, many times I feel like, oh Lord, come quickly. Even so, come, I'd love for you to come. But there's a reason why God has delayed coming. Because there are so many many yet to meet him. There are so many in our family. There are so many of our friends. There's so many people all around culture, all around Manchester that are yet to meet Christ. And so out of God's great mercy, he has delayed his return. It is his mercy. And it is mercy actually that we ourselves get to be a part of that invitation. So the real question honestly is we want to know what kind of difference I'm making in the lives of people around me, but also what is the witness of my life? Like, what is the witness of my life? Where does my life actually affect and how does it affect uh, people around me? How our lives are, are on display. Jesus himself said, there's, there's uh, you know, lots, the harvest is great. So the, it's not about uh, having enough people. There's enough people but my labors are few. We need to send more to the harvest. Like I need people to witness to more of my kingdom. And so we need to know what he's invited us into. So Luke gives a great account of that. If you wanna turn there, I'm gonna start in verse 36. I'm gonna read this to you so that you have a context of Jesus's words to us. And it says this in verse 36. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened. He just says after the resurrection thinking that they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself touch me and see me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they did, uh, they did not believe it because of the joy and amazement. He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it And he aided in their presence and he said to them, this is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they can understand the scriptures and he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer. He will rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you to what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Verse 50. When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. And they worshiped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So this is really a picture, and I love this because we find this where Jesus appears after the resurrection. We find it many times, actually, where Jesus communicates peace, where his message, even the gospel message, encountering Jesus to encounter the gospel is to encounter peace. A life without peace is no life at all. And peace that God gives to us is the peace that we only get from Christ, and so this is this is how God knows us. He so knows how we're wired. He so knows how insecure we are and he knows how fearful we are. So when Jesus appears again, the first thing that he says is peace to you because he recognizes they're in fear they're afraid. Their first response is to be afraid. And Jesus says, peace to you. Why are you troubled? Again, they're not understanding what had just taken place at the cross. They didn't understand the resurrection. They didn't understand a lot of what even Jesus taught them. I mean, all this time that Jesus spent to them, with them. And they still don't really understand it. So Jesus is said, This is Jesus. This is how kind he is. He says, peace to you. But why are you troubled? Because in, in Jesus' mind, he's saying, I'm, I already told you this is all going to happen. It's just that you were looking for something different and you missed it. But in his goodness and in his kindness and in his mercy, he says, peace. I want you to have peace. Peace is part of our Inheritance. And so here, Jesus is a witness to the disciples. He's a witness of himself. He's a witness uh, to the things that he told them that he's revealing. Now I am a witness to you. Now I'm sending you to be a witness on my behalf. And two times here, Jesus addresses the mind, which is very important because the mind actually that's not renewed, that doesn't come under the power of the Holy Spirit, doesn't operate correctly our our thinking actually has to get realigned to have a kingdom thinking so you're to you're to have a a thinking that gets renewed which actually means renovated uh romans 12 talks about this where god literally takes your mind and he cleans it out and if he doesn't clean it out you don't think right and if you don't think right you don't live right so how you think is how you behave So Jesus twice, he addresses the power of the mind and the importance of the mind because the disciples missed so much because their mind was not under the right kingdom. So how you think matters. How you think about yourself, how you think about God really matters because how you think about God is how you're gonna live your life for God. And so Jesus says, why are you doubting in your minds? He's addressing doubt because doubt is the thing in our life that the enemy will often use to crush faith. Fear and faith—we have to choose one or the other. Both can't inhabit you at the same time. And doubt, if empowered, will, will really quench your faith. Actually, so so doubt has to be dealt with. Doubt is a thing of the mind where we begin to question: Is God really good? Will God come through? Is God who he said he is? All of those things. And Jesus is basically saying, you have to get your thinking right. Because you've been invited into something. And if you don't understand the invitation of what God has invited you into, you're going to miss it. And I'm just going to tell you, as great as the church is, and as messed up as the church is, it is still the greatest force happening on the planet. And so we have to, as the church, realign our thinking and get rid of the doubt so that we can be the church that we're called to be to the the city around us, to our family and to our friends and the people around us. So we have to deal with doubt. Doubt is ongoing. The enemy's always throwing doubt and questions, all that kind of stuff in our mind. You have to deal with that. You have to know who God is. You have to know how God saves. You have to know how God is so faithful. This is where faith and unbelief meet. The defining mark on the believer is our faith. That we choose, in spite of what we see, in spite of what we don't see, whatever it is that we encounter, I choose to believe. And that's your faith. And so this is where Jesus is saying, you can't doubt in your mind, you've got to deal with that. That will be ongoing. In fact, it's basically, you know, he addresses it so many times that this is one of the areas that gets tested all the time. You know, ni- I would say 99% of the battle is in your mind. Like, it's a battleground. And so you've got to know how to do battle in your mind. And you've got to know who has control over your mind. And so doubt cannot be empowered. Because the truth is, if we think less of God, we won't do the things that God has invited us into. So here, the second thing, what Jesus does is he begins to open their minds. Now, this is a Holy Spirit thing. This is something that only God can do. God takes, like, God takes his word. God takes what he does and how he acts. And he literally, by his spirit, he reveals things to us. In other words, things are not discovered in the Bible. Things are not discovered. Like, you don't discover your gifts. They are revealed to you. 2 Corinthians talks about this if they were discovered it would be your own power things of God's spirit and the way God speaks to us especially through his word gets revealed by the power of his spirit so here it talks about what God does he actually opens up the scriptures he opens up their minds so that they can understand what it is that he is saying I mean, it's very important that we understand the power of this. These are Jesus's words coming to pass. We don't discover those things. Those things really do get revealed, which is why we need that renewing of the mind. It's ongoing. Jesus says this. He said, I've told you these things, but let me remind you again, because you've already forgot, but let my spirit help you understand. Let my spirit actually teach you. Let my spirit actually open up what it is that I'm saying to you. And then he says and uses this word witness. And we have to understand the power of what a witness is. The word witness in the Greek actually comes from the word martyrian. And it means to declare. And it means to testify. And it means to confirm. Uh, It's interesting that we get the word um, actually martyr from the word witness. So basically we're saying as a witness I'm laying my life down for another I'm dead to the old, alive to the new. And when we accept Christ, that's the decision we're making. We're, we're saying everything that was is no longer. And all of my rights are no longer. Like, my life is not what Christie wants. My life is what does Jesus want? Because I gave all my rights away. And so when we're, we're called in to be a witness, we're basically just walking out what it looks like to be a disciple. Like we are dead to the old. I think 46, 47, maybe 48 times in, in the book of Romans, Paul says, you're dead. And so you're dead. And dead people actually don't get up. Dead people don't hold grudges. You know, you know what I mean? It's like that is not even an option. So there's something about the power behind this where Jesus is revealing to follow him means that you have to die to other things. And sometimes that's painful. To let go sometimes is painful. You know what I mean? To let go, to die to stuff that you, that's been a part of your life is painful. But Jesus says, in following him, we have to learn about death. We have to learn what it looks like to say yes to him. We have to be willing to die to self. We have to be willing to die to pride. In fact, one of the things that kills the witness in us is our own pride. Our own fear of what we're going to look like. Or doing it wrong. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those are all self things. All of the self things will fight God's spirit in you. Everything self will actually quench what God wants to use you in. And so Jesus is basically saying, you have to learn how to die. You have to learn to die to yourself in many different ways in order to walk in, you know, this invitation of sharing about him. A martyr is one that really realizes, really understands that their life is not their own because they're already dead. So that's what we're called to be. As kingdom followers, that's what it looks like. So we're a witness, but in a witness, what we're saying is, I believe in Jesus even when things turn out different. Even when I have to walk through hardship. Even when I encounter suffering even when things turn out different than what I planned, when we say, I believe in Jesus still, we're basically saying, this has more power, God has more power than my circumstance. And my circumstance actually don't determine whether or not I believe in God. And so many times, you know what we do, we actually adjust our theology according to our circumstance. And we lower God because of the things that we're going through. And basically what Jesus is saying is that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we go through, he remains the same. And he's always worthy to be worshipped. And our circumstances don't dictate how, how we should worship God or why we should worship God. We worship God because he's worthy, no matter what. So being dead to self actually just feeds in that whole thing that we're just saying, I'm living my life for this and I'm giving my life for this because I really believe in it. And for some of us, this is really hard because dying to the old, well, let's be honest, it's hard for all of us. Dying to the old is hard. Self is always trying, you know, it's what Paul talks about. Paul talked about that I have this raging war inside of me. I, I, I get so frustrated because I do things that I wish I didn't do. Like, why am I doing this? I mean, you can hear the frustration in his voice. That's the raging war that's inside of us. That we're, that's the self that's trying to fight Christ trying to emerge in you. Christ trying to come to the surface. Christ, you know, forming you and creating you in all that you're called to be. And self will always fight that. And so that's the picture of what Jesus is giving uh, to us, is that there's a bigger picture in mind. There's a bigger call in mind. There's something more important than our self stuff. There's more, there's things that are more valuable and that have more value than the things around us that we we tend to, you know, kind of spend our life and our time on. Margaret Thatcher said this, she said, if you set out to be liked, you will be prepared to compromise on anything at any time and you will achieve nothing. Like, that is so true. Like, uh, there is this, you know, of what we've been invited into that it's not about the self being liked. It's not about the self stuff of what we have. It's not about obtaining all kinds of things. Or It's really about learning to live our life on behalf of the king. Because of what he's done for us and what he's invited us into is a huge privilege. So there's, so there's three things here actually that are a witness in this passage. The first thing is the witness of the scriptures. Because he opened their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. The scriptures are a witness to Christ. They speak of the Christ. They lead us to the Christ. The scriptures reveal the Savior. The Bible is relevant in every way. Is the very word of God. And just as it was all those years ago, the power of scriptures today, just, it blows me away how many believers actually don't know the word. And I'm like, this is the thing that actually keeps you in freedom. If you, don't, if you mess with this, you mess with your freedom. And if you don't know this, you mess with your freedom. Like this is how we, we do battle. This is how we fight. That truth gets inside of us. And the more that this gets inside of us, the quicker we can recognize a lie. And the quicker we can recognize when the enemy comes at us and where things that aren't true. And the quicker we have the ability to resist where the enemy is coming at us. You cannot resist what you don't recognize. The scripture actually puts in you a power to recognize where the enemy is coming after you. Know the scriptures. This is a witness to the power of the scriptures. Jesus said, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. This is what's written. Christ suffered for you. This is what Christ has done on our behalf. The scriptures remind us of Jesus that he came and he emptied himself and in that for us, that he did that for us. And then he came and then he died and then he suffered on our behalf. The Bible, John Wimber used to say, he said, the Bible is the menu, it's not the meal. What he means by that is that we need the menu because it points us, but the main point of what we need is the meal. Like we need Jesus. So the scriptures, we need to fill ourselves with it, but also leads us to the one that we need relationship with. You know, there's so much more um, that God has for us. So we need both. So I wonder just, I wonder in my own life often, how many things I miss Because God has, I've not asked God to open my mind to reveal to me what it is that he's speaking. Like when I read the word, you know, pray, Lord, uh, you know, you, you, you show me what you're speaking to me. You show me what you're doing. You know, the power behind that is everything. Because God's spirit, this is God's spirit breathing life into us. I just wonder how many things we actually miss because we haven't invited God into our times of asking his word to come alive in us and to speak to us and actually reveal things to us about God. So have you ever prayed that? Lord, open up my mind. So that I can, I can really understand what you're saying. So I really understand what it is that you're doing. Because God's promise is that he'll, he really will come through and he will speak to you. Sometimes I believe we don't experience the things that we should experience because we just don't invite God into the process. You know, we can actually even do a devotion and not invite God into the process. You know what I mean? We can actually miss his spirit in the process. So what Jesus is saying is, I reveal things through my scripture. So the power of this is very important that we understand of what God has given to us. In the kingdom of God, your, your experience of God will never, never go higher than your expectation of God. So the scriptures actually feed an expectation of who God is, which is very important. The second thing here that's a witness is we have the witness of the scriptures and then we have the witness of the saints. We have the witness of Jesus himself coming, Jesus saying, this is what I'm going to do. I told you this is what I was going to do. My word is coming to pass. I'm back here to show you so that you yourselves then can be a witness. Like he gets, when, God, when God's repeating something over and over again, there's, there's so much importance behind it. Like there's much importance behind being a witness. He says, you are a witness to these things. There's a reason why we're a witness to the things of God. God has given us a great privilege to be his witnesses. This is an invitation by the way, and lots of things in the kingdom, we don't accept the invitation. Like this morning, let me just tell you this. God is initiating an invitation to you. No matter where you're coming from, if this is your first time here, if you don't even know why you're here, if you don't even understand half of what happens here, let me tell you, God is initiating an invitation to you. And he's basically saying, I'm inviting you in to to relationship with myself. It's a massive invitation. But it's not just an invitation for you, it's an invitation to more because God wants to do stuff through you. So the invitation that God says, I'm not just asking you to be a witness, I want you to be a witness on behalf to the other people around you. That's a huge thing that we get to be a witness from the king of all glory, the great creator who still creates. God has invited you into that invitation again today. So you wanna ask yourself, okay, what has God done in my life? Like if we just think about this practically as being a witness, what has God done in my life? How did God save me? How did God restore me? Which I believe is ongoing. God redeeming me, I believe is ongoing. God restoring my soul, I believe is ongoing. All of those things. Because it's a process, it's a journey, right? We know the destination. We know we're going to heaven, right? you going to heaven? Well, we know the destination. But this, this journey of what we're going on, we need to know in this, what has God done for us? Because that's the power of our story. That's the power of our witness. What did your life look like before Jesus? I mean, sometimes we have to go back to remember how bad it was, to how good we have it now. And sometimes you have to go to your past to get a clear lens for your future. To remember, like, God rescued you. God has saved you. God has pulled you out from hell. And not only that, he gives you peace. And he gives you hope. And he gives you new life. And he heals your body. He heals our diseases. You know, we serve a good God. And sometimes we have to go back to what God has already done. To remember how faithful and how good he is. Because in that place is what we're witnessing to the people around us. And so you want to ask yourself, what is the world, even in my little, what is my world around me really wants? Because see, sometimes I think the church is trying to answer questions the world is not asking. And to be honest with you, you know what I think the world's asking? How do I get my kids off drugs? How does my family get hope? how am I gonna make it we don't have the finances? Those are really the questions that people in this room are asking, really. Like, we wanna know, how do we get out of our messes? And is there something better? Is there something outside of what I'm already in? That's what the world wants to know. Like, that's the church often. We're always, I think sometimes the, the church doesn't need equity with the church. We need equity with the world. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what does the world around me need? What are the questions that the people around me are asking? And sometimes I think actually as as a believer, let alone the church, I am the church, so I have to love the church, otherwise I hate myself, is we complicate things. I mean, we complicate a lot of things. Like being a witness is not complicating. Sharing Jesus is actually not complicating. Living our life for Jesus is just the message that the people around you, that you're witnessing to. That's why, whether you realize it or not, you're witnessing. Because your life lived out is a witness of what God has done for you. So that's why you've got to go back and see what God has done in your life. Because the story of your life and the power of your testimony of what God has done is what has authority to take other people through it. So, when you get out of something, when you get out of an addiction or you get out of a pattern of a lifestyle or God heals your marriage or God heals a relationship and you get saved and you get restored and you get redeemed and people see that, people want that. That's hope. So, you got to share all of your testimony. If I could just encourage, don't hold back on your testimony the things that you're embarrassed about, the things that actually you wish people didn't know. Because the truth is, those things are the things that probably the people around you need to know there's hope in. Those things that you've made it through, that you're still here, that you still love Jesus, you know, that you've made it, that you're still showing up. I mean, that has a lot of witness attached to it. The fact that you're here today is a witness. You're witnessing not only to to God, where you're saying, I believe in you this much that I'm making this a priority, which is an act of worship, but you're also witnessing to the people around us because you're saying this is a priority for us as a family, this is a priority for us that we put God first. And you need to know this. You are surrounded by people who are dying for what you have. They may not know it, but they are dying for what you carry. And you may have, feel like you just have a little bit. And I'm just going to tell you, what you have is what people need. They need the hope that you carry. They need the peace that you carry. It's very important. How we witness, so simple. We complicate it. Are you suffering? I know somebody who heals suffering. Are you hurting? I know somebody who heals the hurting. Are you sick? I know somebody who heals the sick. Do you need hope? I know somebody who gives hope. I know somebody who gives peace. That's really honestly witnessing to the people around us. You're just taking what God has done in your life and you're just as an everyday naturally supernatural life sharing that with the people around you. That's what it looks like. And the power of that really changes everything. When we say, I know someone, I actually know someone that can help you out of your stuff. I actually know someone that can bring relief to your circumstances. I mean, that's what people are dying for. The third thing here of the witness is the witness of the Spirit. Very important that we understand. The main role of the Holy Spirit is actually not for our experience. The main role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Father. Glorifies the Father. The Father glorifies. um, I mean, glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one that's closest to us. He encounters us. We experience him. He he empowers us for service. He walks alongside of us. He's our counselor. He's our guide. I mean, he 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 does a lot. It's important that you build a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. But the role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Father. And so it doesn't make any sense to say, when Jesus, it doesn't make any sense to say, I've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit and not walk away talking about the Holy Spirit and God, because to encounter him is to talk about him. So the witness to the spirit and Jesus is saying, you cannot go where you're going without my spirit. Like he's basically saying, don't live your life without my power because you're not going to make it you're going to get burned out. You're going to get tired. You're not going to want to do this anymore. That's why Jesus said, I'm sending you a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait until you have this gift because you're going to need it. And they're thinking, no, we want you, Jesus. We want you to stay. Jesus said, no, no, actually what's coming to you is what is going to be better because what you're going into as the church, which is to be a witness, you're going to need my spirit. You're going to need the power of my spirit. So when it says here, don't go before I, that gift. He's basically saying, don't go ahead of me, like don't live ahead of me, don't make decisions ahead of me, and basically don't don't witness without me. Because the truth is, without the spirit of God, we can't lead people to God. So it takes the spirit of God to do everything. How many know it actually takes God to love God? We can't do anything without God. Like, he has set it up. Like, everything in God's kingdom is set up where you have to learn how to receive. Because salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. Gifts are gifts. So if you have a hard time receiving, you're going to have a hard time in the kingdom. you got to learn how to receive from the Father. you got to learn how to receive what God has, has and needs to give to you so that you can do the thing that he's invited you into. Very important. And much of the time we operate outside of receiving and we operate out of our own power and we do get burned out. And Jesus is saying, you need the power of my spirit so that I can go ahead of you and I can actually help you in this. You don't have to do this alone. How many, how many like that you don't have to do this alone? We don't have to do this in our own power. And this is, this is what frees us up when we talk about witnessing. This frees us up when having to feel like we, we feel guilty if we don't talk about the Lord. Because guilt doesn't work. How many know guilt doesn't work? Fear doesn't work. Fear, fear might work for a little while, but it's a slave mentality that doesn't last. But it takes the pressure off of us. The Spirit of God takes the pressure off of you. He's basically putting the pressure on Himself. If you just receive what you need and you live your life from that place, God can help you share with the people around you. How many know, like, witnessing is not an argument. And God doesn't need people to defend him. Like he's pretty big. He doesn't, you know what I mean? He can handle himself. You know what I mean? This is really honestly your life as a living message to the people around you. There's a story of this guy named John Patton. He was an Englishman actually and he felt called uh, to uh, an island, and this island was uh, a, a tribe, and they were known uh, for uh, being man-eating cannibals. So how many would like to be sent by God to blaze or They're all cannibals, you know. They, they loved to eat people. So this guy felt like he was supposed to go, and so he, he knew that they never heard the gospel before. They never encountered the gospel before, and he, he just got married. So he takes his new bride with them and they go to this uh, place and he would watch the people and he would just pray. He would, ju- he was just being present basically. And he would just pray. And he and his wife conceived and they had a baby and the baby died. And when their baby died, they, bar- they buried the baby and they, um, they literally slept on the grave for weeks because they were afraid that the people would come and take the baby and eat him. So, I mean, it's quite, but th- this couple so felt like they were to be a witness to these people and that these people needed to hear the gospel. And they stayed for 35 years. And when he died, um, the, when he died, um, or when he got there, nobody knew Jesus. And when he died, uh, there was a sign actually that was put on his. Uh, tombstone, and this is what it said. When John Patton landed here in 1848, there were no Christians, but when he left 35 years later, there were no heathens. Like, that's a witness. And all he did is he would just be present and just pray. So there's something about, like, we do complicate things, and it's just about being present in God's presence, to get what you need, to be present to the people around you so that they know that there's something bigger than what they're having to live, live with. You know, in Acts chapter one, where it talks about, you know, they're waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it talks about that God's spirit came upon them. The power of God came upon them. But it said, the power that came, verse eight of Acts one, says it sent them out to be a witness. Our primary call as believers is God's spirit to come upon us to be a witness to the people around us. And people are dying for what we have. I love how this ends, actually, because this is, this is honestly a picture of Jesus sending us out and what this looks like and what we need in order to live life and what we need in order to go forward. When this talks about where Jesus led them, where Jesus takes them back, actually, to the city uh, of, of uh, the vicinity of Bethany, it actually, uh, vicinity actually in the Greek, uh, what it means is that he took them towards Bethany. So he's, he's taking these guys back to where they spent a lot of time together. This is where Jesus taught them a lot of stuff that they really didn't get, that they ate together, that they fellowshiped together. I mean, this would be a significant place, but it would also be the place that they blew it. This would be the place where before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus said, I, I, I need you to pray for me. And they fell asleep. All they had to do was pray. That's all they had, they had to do, but they fell asleep. And so Jesus, I love this, because this is so who our Jesus is. He takes them back to the place that would be so memorable, but it would also be, it would be, hard, it'd be a hard place because it would remind them of where they blew it where they actually you know, fell short, where they fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying and then all of that stuff happened with the cross and the resurrection and they fell asleep and Jesus takes them back to that place and he's taking that back to that place that really honestly gives a picture of who our Jesus is and basically he's just saying, yeah, you guys let me down in that but even in that, I'm still inviting you in. Even though you're not perfect Even though you blew it here and there, I'm still inviting you in. I still want you to participate. I still want you to be a witness to the people around us. And then I love this because it talks about Jesus lifts up his hands, his nail-scarred hands, and he blesses them. Like this is the church. He blesses them. He's anointing them. As the church, you are blessed to bless. That's what we do. That's the message. It's not about how perfect you're not. It's what not about what you don't have together. It's not about where you blew it. It's not about your past. It's about Jesus Himself saying, This is about future. This is about going forward. This is about not just us, but this is about the people around us. And when God blesses us, we have to give it away. We have to give it away. If we don't give it away as the church, we get inbred. Have you seen inbred? We get really ugly. We need people to come in because it breathes new life, and it reminds us of the story and what God has done. I just love the mercy of God, basically saying, you're not a waste, and your life is not a waste, and I'm inviting you in, and that place of worship that we are blessed to bless. We are called as the church to be proactive. We are called to be a witness to the people around us, and so much of the time, we're We're reacting to what's wrong instead of what's right about Jesus. We're responding to what's hard in our life rather than just worshiping Jesus. And sometimes we just have to get outside of ourselves and remember what God has invited us into. This is very proactive. A few weeks ago, I was um, reading about Florence Nightingale again because I love to read about people like that that's changed history. You know, changed the whole idea, really. She was called the Lady of the Lamp, if you don't know. But she was, you know, cared for the wounded uh, soldiers during uh, one of the wars, and her passion uh, was really, honestly, to just change the mindset even, in how to serve, and how to love, and how to care for people, and, and really the, her, the perception about her profession, and she said this about what she did. She said, "'I think one's feelings waste themselves in words, and they ought to all be distilled into actions which bring results.'" Like, that's a huge thing. Like, we have this massive opportunity to change history and to change the perception of the church and to change what people think about Jesus. And we do that by taking what God has done in us and by being present in the lives of people around us. Don't complicate it. Just share about how God has saved you, how God has restored you, the hope that God, even the testimonies of what we heard this morning, absolutely amazing. Just taking those things, because that's what the people around us are dying for. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? Can I pray for you? I'm going to do it anyways, but put your hand over your heart. I like to do this because the the enemy's a thief. He's not a robber. He's sneaky. And he loves to steal God's word from us. And many times we'll hear a word and we'll forget about it. We'll leave church and we'll forget about it. So I'm a big believer in actually hiding God's word in us and sealing it with his spirit. Because many times God will speak a word to us and he'll remind us of things weeks down the road. And that's the power of the word, the scripture of what we talked about this morning. So this is, let me just tell you, if you're visiting here this morning, this is not going to hurt you. This is not going to hurt you. Nobody's going to come up behind you and hit you in the back of the head. This is not going to hurt you. This is just really a blessing is what this is, okay? So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for being here this morning. We thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you for the gift of prophecy. Lord, we thank you for how you've encouraged us already this morning. Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your scriptures. We thank you for the power of the the saints. We thank you for the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for your promises of your word. And Lord, how they speak to the goodness of who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would seal your word over us this morning. Lord, hide it deep within us. Hide your word in us, Lord, to keep us from sinning. Lord, purify us this morning. Lord, redeem us this morning. The things that we need this morning, we ask, Lord, uh, that you would take those burdens off of us. We give you our burdens this morning. We give you our concerns this morning. We ask, Lord, that we would leave church lighter. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, now you take this word, Lord, and you sharpen us over the coming weeks. Lord, you challenge us over the coming weeks. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, that over each and every person here and their story, and Lord, even the people that got saved yesterday, Lord, I pray that you just, you just start building on that, Lord, for Manchester and just people coming to know you in all kinds of different ways. We just pray for our family right now. Let's take a minute. Pray for your family. I pray for my family. Lord, people that don't know you, people that need you, Lord, you're so big Lord, you're so capable. Lord, if you could get us, you can get anybody. So, Lord, get our family. Reach our families, Lord. Reach our friends. Reach into our community. Now, listen, let me tell you this. Some people that you have written off, God is looking to redeem. In your families, people that you have written off from years of of whatever it is that you've walked through, God is wanting to redeem. Lord, we just thank you that you are the great redeemer. And Lord, that you can fix, heal, and restore our families. And Lord, we do pray for that. We pray that you bring restoration to our families. Now, Lord, I pray that you just mark each person here with your spirit. Lord, to be a witness to the people around them. Lord, I ask that you would remove any fear, any fear or hesitation, any doubt, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you'd remove any doubt this morning. The Lord wants to use this church. Um, I really feel like the Lord wants to make this church a central place for the city. So I don't don't know how many outlets you have right now, three or four. You probably have about ten outlets. The Lord really wants to use this church. And you're you're a part of that. And the reason why things grow and expand is, one, healthy things grow. But also, it's to reach more people for Christ. And so God wants to use you in a big way. So Lord, we say yes to that. We say yes to that, Lord. That's going to be by you witnessing, by you pulling people in, by you inviting people. Do you know most people never go to church because they just never get invited? Do you know that? It's not complicated. It's just that they've never been asked. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to pray, if those of you that feel like you know God has is, is been speaking to you about sharing with people around you, I just want you to come forward. And some of you, I feel like where you feel, can I do this actually? I didn't even ask, is that okay? Um, those of you that feel um, called to evangelism, where you, that's something that God's placed in your heart, can you just come forward and we pray for you? The band can come up here, you do that. But I think we should um, minister over you this morning. Is that all right? What we can do, just if you, um, if you, parents, if you could, if, you, if you're already out here, that's fine. But of, of parents, if you could go down, especially from the crash, and just um, set the crash workers free. But come on, back up. With the, the children, that'll be great. And we just, if you need to go, that's absolutely fine. But just going to do some more stuff here. If you need to get going, that's absolutely fine. But if Kresh, you know, children of Kresh and young children could go down and get, parents get the children. But bring them back up um, unless you need to go. So just put your hands out. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for your spirit that's here this morning. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would empower them for witness. By the, by the power of your spirit, Lord that you would fill them, yes. Lord, with your power this morning. Yes. Yeah, And some of you, you've just been praying for your family for years, years. And I just feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you. Like the Lord so has heard your prayers. The Lord has heard your prayers for your family. Um, some of you, your family is separated. Um, they are in different countries. Um, and um, you do feel like that um, you feel lots of things, but in particular, of of wanting them to encounter some of the things that God's doing with you. Just wanna say that God, I say this, God's not American, he's not British, you know what I mean? Like He can go everywhere, and he has this amazing ability to get a hold of people in every country. And so the Lord hears your prayers, and what's happening with you, I just to encourage you that God uh, is honoring your prayers. For your family and some of you you've you've got um years and years of praying like i can just feel this um, where you've asked the lord to reach your family and for some of you the separation that you're in is very difficult and i would say to you get some prayer and get ministry and stay on top of that thing so you're not lonely and you're not isolated like the church is to be your family so if I could just get some ministry team up here as well as we pray for these guys, that would be helpful. Those of you that, that pray, all of you, just some of you come up and pray for these guys. And I just want you to put your hand on their shoulder and just bless, bless them this morning. Remember, we're blessed to bless. So that's what we're doing. And we're blessing God's spirit on them. We bless your spirit, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would fill them with hope again, even show them how to pray and be a witness. Those that feel called to evangelism, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd anoint them this morning. Lord, encourage them, empower them, anoint them to go. Can I get some guys to come pray over here, actually, on this side? Especially for evangelism, for call to evangelism. Can you pray for them? Can I get some guys to come over here and pray? And just bless them. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Lord, we bless these guys this morning. We bless your spirit. We bless the power of your spirit. Lord, we say yes to being a witness, Lord. We say yes. To being a a representative of you, Lord. We say yes to that. Love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your life, we would love to introduce you to him. He is the reason why we gather. The Bible talks about that until you encounter Christ, you've never encountered real peace. So there's a reason why we're all gathered, and it's because of Christ. And if you'd like to know him today, we would love to introduce you to him. He's got hope for you this morning. Peace for you this morning. Lord, we thank you for that, Lord, that you are the peace giver. Lord, you are the hope giver. Yeah, Lord, I bless these people. I bless your power. I bless your encouragement. Your hope for their families. Can I get some guys over here uh, still to minister, just pray for these guys over here?